Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Hello, my dear friends. It's great to have you here with us this evening. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Biolabs podcast series. Today, we again invited David to our program. Thanks for being here, David. Thanks for having me. As we all know, a key feature of the adaptive immune system is its ability to respond to foreign antigens. While do not react to antigens derived from self-tissues under normal circumstances, but when it causes an immune response to its own components for some reason, it is called autoimmunity. And so for today, we are going to discuss autoimmunity. Where do we want to start, David? Let's start from the very basics like the cells involved in autoimmunity, and then we will dive deeper. Most people should have heard about T-cells, the abbreviation for T-lymphocytes. They are lymph stem cells derived from bone marrow and a type of cells that play an important role in autoimmunity. After differentiation and maturation in the thymus, they are distributed to the immune organs and tissues of the whole body through lymph and blood circulation to exert their immune functions. An important question in autoimmunity is how autoimmunization against, for example, synovial membrane, nucleosomes, and myelin basic protein occurs in rheumatoid arthritis systemic lupus erythematosus, and multiple sclerosis patients, respectively. I noticed that these autoantigens are ubiquitous and present in normal individuals. But why doesn't autoimmunity happen in healthy individuals? That is a good question. There is a certain amount of self-reactive T-cells in the body of healthy individuals, and they play a role in maintaining the homeostasis of the immune system. For example, Anti-idiotypic antibodies, anti-nuclear antibodies, anti-mitochondrial antibodies, rheumatoid factors and other autoantibodies can be detected in normal human serum. Do you think these autoantibodies have their own functions? Of course. Certain autoantibodies may have important physiological functions. For example, anti-idiotypic antibodies have immunomodulatory effects. Rheumatoid factor is an antibody against denatured immunoglobulin G, which can bind to multivalent immunoglobulin G and help to clear circulating immune complexes through monocytes phagocytes. Most autoantibodies have low titers and are not enough to cause damage to their own tissues, but they can help to eliminate the self-components of self-aging and metamorphosis, so they are also called physiological autoantibodies. We know that an essential defect in the mechanisms can maintain immunologic tolerance to its own constituents. Is this the reason that autoantibodies can eliminate self-components? Yes. The degeneration of antigen recognition by T-cell receptors is an example. As we all know, a T-cell can be activated by different peptides, bound to one or even several major histocompatibility complex molecules. In other words, Responses to microbial antigens could result in the activation of T-cells that are cross-reactive with self-antigens. Besides, 
This flexibility of T-cell receptors recognition is thought to be central to many immunological processes, including thymic selection and the ability of T-cell receptors to recognize nearly all pathogen-derived peptides. Autoimmune disease refers to a disease caused by the body's immune response to self-antigens, resulting in damage to its own tissues. So can I say that autoantibodies can cause autoimmune diseases? It's a common misunderstanding. Like I mentioned before, most autoantibodies have low titers that cannot really damage their own tissues, and certain autoantibodies even have important physiological functions. Many diseases have been classified as autoimmune diseases, such as rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and multiple sclerosis. It needs to be clear that autoantibodies and autoimmune diseases are not two equivalent concepts. I see. The autoimmune diseases you mentioned earlier have been confirmed in recent studies that may be genetically linked to human MHC class II molecules. What can you tell us about it? We've seen infections implicated in the onset and perpetuation of autoimmunity. Assuming there is an infectious agent, it could be a parasite, bacteria, or virus. It displays epitopes in unilogically resembling host determinant, and due to the mirror antigen differences between the two, the pathogen's epitope subsequently induces an immune response that eventually breaks tolerance to the host epitope. Once the immune system becomes primed to attack the invader, it might eventually destroy normal tissues. So you don't think those diseases are linked to the MHC class II molecules? Well, the truth is that to induce autoimmune disease, the capacity of an epitope mimic depends on its appropriate presentation by the host antigen presenting cells, and as a result, supporting the association between MHC products and autoimmune diseases. This binding between a given MHC molecule and its peptide is indeed genetically controlled, whether it be a self-peptide or foreign peptide involved in either an MHC class 1 or 2 interaction. But why? Because due to the unique MHC polymorphisms within a population, peptides may be completely non-reactive in other individuals of a particular species, who lack those MHC alleles. I will give you an example. Autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, Epitopes derived from different pathogens, such as Mycobacterium tuberculosis, are able to activate synovial T cells. In addition, most of the described mimic epitopes are able to induce autoimmune disease in animal models. Recently, various studies reported intermolecular and intramolecular epitope spreading. It was noted in few clinical trials testing peptide vaccines in patients with melanoma. Can you give us a brief introduction to epitope spreading? Of course. Simply put, epitope spreading is a process and also one of the pathogenesis of autoimmune diseases. First of all, after a specific antigen stimulates the body, the immune system first responds to the dominant epitope, but it is often not enough to clear the antigen. Then, with the continuation of the immune response process, the body can respond to more epitopes including cryptic epitopes. Under what circumstances does epitope spreading occur? It may occur in a single antigen, different antigens from the same tissue structure, or different antigens that are not physically linked. In addition, with the development of autoimmune diseases, the immune system continues to expand the range of self-antigen epitopes that it recognizes, resulting in more self-antigens being attacked by the immune system.
and ultimately leading to the prolonged and worsening of the disease. Then what is its application? I mean the good type of epitope spreading. Activating a broader set of T-cells through epitope spreading should be beneficial during an antipathogen or anti-tumor immune response because the pathogen or tumor cannot easily escape immune control with a single mutation in an immunogenic epitope. Sounds to be a very promising application. Thanks David for sharing all the wonderful information with us. And thanks everyone for listening. We will be back next week.